Hello, hey, and welcome to Ask the Color Expert. My name is Elaine Travis. I am a career hair colorist, independent educator, and author of the book, A Colorful Journey. I'm here every week sharing tips, tricks, and stories that are all things hair color. Thanks for joining me, and let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to the Ask the Color Expert podcast. Today, I am conducting my interview from my new home, so I'm very echoey. The sound is not going to be as good as usual. I don't have any furniture yet. It's been a really wild ride, but I did not want it to interfere with my time, excuse me, with my friend Jay Williams. He is joining me today. He is my special guest. We met many, many years ago. I made him blush instantly with something really fresh that I said to him as on brand as I usually am. He didn't know what quite what to think about me, but after the initial shock, he realized we had a lot in common. So I'm bringing him here today to share with you all of his experience in the beauty industry. And it's such a long pedigree of experience. I'm going to let him tell you exactly what his journey has been and what has brought us together. Welcome, Jay. Thank you. So no furniture and no voice. Yeah, and a big echo. <laughs> but at least you have a guest. Yes, exactly. The show must go on, you know, that's how it is. Always. I'm dying to tell the group the story and how we met. Have at it. It it would be a disappointment if they didn't know my freshness, my fresh factor. So we're at a conference and I happen to be one of the speakers there and we have a friend in common. And they said, allow me to introduce you to Elaine. I must have caught her mid-sentence because somehow in the first sentence, the V word comes up. I won't say it, you can say it, but hopefully people get. (laughs) So um, yes, after getting over that and a few therapy sessions, uh, I realized, wow, (laughs) we have a a lot. A few couch sessions. (laughs) Yes, we have a lot in common. And so, yeah, I'm glad to be reconnected. And, uh, you know, for the audience, I'm sure they've experienced you this way. And our reconnection, you've been tremendously helpful to me and where I'm at and what I'm looking to do. So Thank you for that. To your question, uh, what was it? What the hell qualifies me to even be talking? The the, the yeah. extreme pedigree we were talking about, you know, when I met you, you had brought an amazing product into my world where I was able to um, really have success with it in the salon. You're no longer doing that. And then when we jumped on today, you mentioned some other things that you did with other product companies that I didn't know that about you. So you have a very interesting background and I think it's safe to say that you're more than qualified to be the the great speaker that you are when you're in the beauty industry, even though you are not a hairdresser. You know, sometimes people are like, how did you end up in the beauty industry if you're not a hairdresser? I look like one though, don't I? (laughs) I mean, your audience can't see, but I could pass. As one, I uh, so I'll answer your question directly. So the roles that I've served is uh, I taught in the business school at Bumble and Bumble. That was actually my entrance into the the beauty industry, and so I have experience from that uh, perspective. I've been on the streets selling products, so I've been in thousands of salons. Uh, I was a vice president at Living Proof. And then to your point, uh, how we got reconnected is that I had two partners and we had a private label hair care company. 
uh, where we help salons to get into private label, our niche for under a thousand dollars. And so through that, that's what my connection to the beauty industry is. I speak inside and consult inside and outside the industry. And so for those people who are listening is what is the connection with color, with being a stylist, is that I work on the people side of it. And so I focus on emotional intelligence and connection, the client experience, a brandable experience. I talk about leadership and communication. And, you know, people ask, well, how it seems so different if you're working with an engineering firm or you're working with the life sciences and then with stylists. And what I find is that what ails stylists and salon owners ails humanity. It's a human condition. It's Absolutely. not unique. And one of the things that, um, I don't know, it's like sandpaper to my soul. I'll be at a conference and people go, oh, you know, stylists and these salon owners. And the reality is if they got in a room with my other clients and in other industries and didn't mention their craft and just talked about what challenges them, they have the exact same challenges. Absolutely. Because it's always about the, the interaction of other people. And that's what I love so much. Explain the definition of emotional intelligence. I've done some training in it. And I think it's even more important than your technical hair skills. But a lot of people don't know what that is. So what would be your, your condensed version of what emotional intelligence is? So that we have a common definition, and I will tell you there's multiple definitions, but let me share this one for the point of our conversation. It's simply the ability to identify and understand an emotion in yourself and others and adjust your behavior accordingly. I love that. That's a hell of an elevator pitch. Did you practice you like that, that last night? Were you up saying that into the mirror? I have cue cards. It's like a late night show here. They're holding up the cue cards. Can no we just audience. stop right there and go back to <clears throat> sandpaper to my soul? Yeah. I love, I've never heard that term. I love that. It's like sandpaper to my, did you coin that one or did you pick that up along the way? Yeah, it's, um, I heard it. So I did work with Microsoft. I was part of a team for two and a half years that traveled around the country working with their leaders. And what we were working with was values, because that's actually at the core of everyone's DNA on how they show up and what's important. So if you've started a business or you've started a suite, you know you start off with your mission and vision statement. What preceded that were your values. And so to pull this all together is that people aren't sure what their values are. If something is like sandpaper to your soul, if somebody yells and screams at you, there's a good chance you have a value of respect. And if you find yourself shutting down emotionally and withdrawing or fighting back in some way, it's probably been like sandpaper to your soul. There's been something that has rubbed you the wrong way. I love, I need, I need a t-shirt for that. Oh, okay. There's an idea and I'm open to that. We need sandpaper to your soul t-shirt. Yes. And, and a caps. circle and a line drawn through it so we can <laughs> give it to our spouses and our clients and our friends. And I really love that. It's like mic drop. This interview's over. We need to stop it at sandpaper to your soul. I can't move forward past that. Oh, it's interesting. I love that you love that because that's, uh, it has to do with human beings and how we operate. 100%. And 
we, when you look at values, this is important for you to understand as a human being. And so both of my books start off with the chapter on values. And so people said you would, re, you would repeat the same content. What it is, is that this is foundational. Every book I have will start with that. Because if you can understand what your values are, and by the way, there's over 4,400 of them. So you look in our industry, it could be education, it could be creativity, it could be freedom, it could be flexibility. We could go on and on. It's important that you understand that because when your values are being met, you're mentally, physically, financially, and emotionally connected. And people go, well, what's the alternative? Well, you could have people who are mentally, physically, financially connected, but not emotionally connected. And we have employees who are that way. They, they're, they're not, you ever have clothes that you just go, they're not good enough to keep, not bad enough to get rid of? Uh, we have yeah, employees. I'm moving. Have, I have bags and bags you know of them. That. <laughs> and you've had a business. Haven't you had employees that are that way? Not good enough to keep, not bad enough to get rid of. Yeah. I venture to guess that you have their mental, physical, financial commitment. They show up, they do their job, right? But you don't have their emotional commitment, which is this discretionary performance. When someone is living their values, you capture this emotional commitment to what they're doing. Now, if someone reacts violently to you, there's a good chance that you may have rubbed them the wrong way, that sandpaper to your soul. And I'm sure you guys have encountered people go, wow, you overreacted to that. I want to shift your thinking when we talk today instead of, wow, you overreacted to, wow, I must have stepped in a value of yours. It translates and to your When clients. you can make it, especially in the salon, I always talk about when that client comes in and her energy is like entering the space before she even enters and she's out to get someone and it's clear that she came in that way, but you can't help but take it on as it's something that you said or did. And I think when you understand emotional intelligence, you know that it has absolutely nothing to do with you and you have the tools to diffuse it, to change the subject, to give them a hug, to remind them about a special occasion that they were going to the last time you saw them. Oh, hey, how was your son's wedding? You know, bring up a happy thing to kind of distract them from their mood that they brought into the space because before you know it, it's through the whole entire salon. It's like a domino of misery. It's infectious. Mm-hmm. You you brought up a couple of good points, uh, so I'm going to ask you to remind me. One is about bringing up an event to trigger a positive emotion. So write that down. I want to bring that up. Prior to that, you talked about the emotional intelligence, and this is a great conversation because this is an example of it. It's your ability to identify an emotion in yourself. So in yourself, as an example, is, have you ever met people that go, I'm just in a bad mood? that's not emotional intelligence. They don't do anything to adjust. In fact, they tell you, everybody needs to look out today. That's not emotional (laughs) intelligence. It's identifying you're upset. It's understanding. So the understanding might be is that, hey, listen, I'm having some financial challenges and my boyfriend, fiance, wife, girlfriend, we got in an argument this morning. That's to identify and understand. But if you don't adjust your behavior and you just come to work and just, I'm in a bad mood, the reason I'm in a bad mood is because I got in a fight. You don't adjust your behavior. That's not the complete definition of emotional intelligence. To complete the definition, you'd understand that you're upset. You'd understand that it came from a fight on money. 
to adjust your behavior, you'd say, you know what? Well, if it's based on money, I'm going to give a kick-ass experience today. <laughs> People are going to pay me more for the experience than they are the haircut. That's someone with a high emotional intelligence. And you said something earlier when we first kicked it off that it's more important that you've discovered. Studies have shown that emotional intelligence can account to as much as 58% of an individual's success. So over half of it. So if you're listening and you're a stylist, you're a colorist, you're an esthetician, a massage therapist, just for the purpose of our call, and you're looking at how do I enhance my business, the client experience right now, there's your answer. It's not necessarily being better at your technical skills. And by the way, I'm not minimizing them. It's just, you know, we have plenty of education there. It's just understanding that the solution, 58% of it, is this emotional intelligence. Now, there's a study that came out. Her name is uh, BJ Gallagher, she's a social psychologist at Harvard. She found that 80% of the people are failing in their current roles due to a lack of interpersonal skills. I'm going to pause for a second. So no, just I was, was going to say, when you said 50, whatever percent, I was going to say, I disagree. I think it's 80% because I see it. I've seen it as a salon owner. I've seen it as an educator. Um, when I'm on a stage teaching at a hair show, you can't help but, you know, you kind of lock eyes with someone in the audience, you know, you, you kind of do the back and forth, but then just somebody just gets you where you're just like, you're trying so hard to get through to them because they have the hairy, the hairy lip and the like eyeball of death. Like they hate everything that you're saying. And it's very distracting. I'm like, what did I say? Like, what could possibly be making her make that face? And I make it all about her face and that I'm doing something wrong and it takes me off my game. And then at the end, that exact person every single time, Jay, there has not been a single time that it hasn't happened. And Bryn has been with me and we, we laugh about it afterwards. The one giving me that intent face is the one that comes up at the end and says, do you do education? How can I connect with you? I need more. The face that I was thinking was, I hate you, was I am listening so intently and you're speaking to me and saying something that I've needed to hear. It was like a concentration face, but we tend to have that, you know, drunk monkey on our shoulder saying, you're terrible. You're, you're doing a terrible job. Look at her face. She hates everything that you're saying. So that's my story in my head. That had nothing to do with her face or anything that he or she was doing. You know, it's like you, you think you know what someone's thinking and the same thing in the salon. You know, I, give you a life hack. I want to give you a life hack because you said something that I think we're all, I was uh, doing research on happiness and they said that 90% of your happiness comes from internally, the way you perceive things Absolutely. and 10% externally. So what you just said, um, did you say the sober curious monkey or the drunk monkey? Drunk Which monkey. Drunk the drunk monkey. monkey. Okay. Not the sober <laughs> curious monkey. Okay is that we look at something and we interpret it through our filters. And so if you're listening, you know, you guys now may look at your client's face and they could be quiet. Now they may be an introvert, but may look like they're upset. And our brain makes over a million connections a minute based on your experiences, right? based on yours. So a life hack would be, and when you, because I've been in that situation, you have too, and you're probably similar to me. There could be a thousand people. I lock in on that one. 
I'm flipping that one. I almost <laughs> ignore exactly the other. Yeah. Start, so, start doing jazz hands. <laughs> oh, whatever it is to engage. <laughs> By the way, that's emotional intelligence. If you're looking for examples of if you have emotional intelligence, you observe people with the high emotional intelligence are looking to identify and understand the emotions of others. That's why um, I want to hold on before I go on. Let me give you this life hack. Sorry, I get a little bit ahead of myself is if you are in the chair with someone or you're in a relationship and someone gives you a look and you have an instant response, oh, I know that look, or I don't know what that look means, here's what you say to the person is, I, I see a look, tell me a little bit about that. If you notice there was no judgment in the look, it was just an acknowledgement. Because uh, I made the mistake one time you know how you get comfortable when you're in a group and everything. So I said to someone, I go, what's the resting bitch face? Oh my gosh. If looks could kill. Then you have the resting way, bitch face. This was a four hour workshop. This was within the first 30 minutes. And she said, no, that's my regular face. And it was my <laughs> fault because through my filters, now, if I had said to this, hey, I just want to pause. I see a look on your face. Tell me about that look. So I share that as a life hack, that as you're interacting with your clients, especially now, people are managing health decisions, financial decisions, freedom decisions, identity decisions. There is so much. There's a good chance that whatever they're bringing to the salon has zero, nothing to do with you. However, because most people are empaths in our industry and that they're caregivers and nurturers, they take, take that on. on. Yeah, yeah, and they somehow assume that it's either directed at them or they can change it. I would say don't assume it's directed at you. Don't assume it's not either. Because one of the things I do see quite frequently in our industry is people running late. It's just, mm. it's, listen, you see it in the medical industry as well. And there's no acknowledgement. So people are upset. So that's why I'm saying, I wouldn't assume, I just say, hey, I see a look on your face. Just tell me a little bit about it. Sometimes you go, oh, I'm sorry, I was preoccupied. Or they go, no, you said you were going to take me at 345. It's now 401, and I got to pick up my kid at 445. That's emotional intelligence. A stylist or an esthetician or a colorist that has the ability in the moment to monitor that understand it and adjust their behaviors, sign emotional intelligence. Here's what's interesting about emotional intelligence. Your IQ, so if people are wondering, well, what are you comparing it to, is your IQ. And in the late 18, 1893, they wanted to identify slow learners in society. That's when they created the IQ or the intellectual quotient assessment that we all know. Well, quickly flipped, as you can imagine, they didn't focus on the slow learners. They focused on the people with the high IQ. And somehow in society, we thought it'd be an indicator, a predictor of success. 1992, a group of uh, neuroscientists, psychologists, and scientists get together and want to look at what makes people successful. So they go to Harvard and they go, can you go back 20 years and just give us the people with the highest IQ? Because as a society, we had operated off of, that was somehow an indicator predictor. They stopped the study as al almost as quickly as they started it because these were not the most successful people. So they changed the study and they found successful people and worked their way backwards. And that's when they discovered this emotional intelligence. And so companies now globally 
um, there's something called XQ, and I write about just a little bit in the in the um, in the book because there's not a lot of information about it. But 35% of the companies in the world now are hiring for XQ. It's a combination of your IQ and your EQ. The first thing I thought of when you said XQ is like the X factor because that's, that's exactly what, gets my what it attention. is. Yeah, when someone walks into a room and they're engaging and really confident and can speak to anyone intelligently and just have that it factor, that's the person that I want to hire over the person who can spout off, you know, poetry from the 1900s and is super smart, but has no personality. You articulated it well, that's what it is. It's that it factor. How many times, like let's just talk in our industry, have you met a stylist or a colorist that technically they should be doing editorial work. They should be doing runway work. Yet when they get in the salon, they don't really have a book of business and their retention is very low. And, and in the same token, have you ever met someone that God bless them, you know how they get out of bed in the morning and dress themselves and get themselves to work, but their clients love them, their peers love them, you love them, and they have this 72 to 80% retention and they're killing it. How many times have you seen a doctor? If you ask doctors, people who are listening, if you've left a doctor, how many of you have left for technical reasons and how many have left for non-technical? Almost 100% of the people have left, except for the people that, you know, there's the exceptions, right? And there's an informal study done in the beauty industry, and they ask clients, why do you leave a salon? Eight out of 10 leave for non-technical reasons. It's not the cut or the color. It's this emotional intelligence, the ability to identify your emotion, their emotion, and adjust your behavior accordingly. Absolutely. And I think that this weird time that we are in, especially the salon industry has been majorly impacted by COVID. I talk about all the time that clients really don't, most of them, there's a small percentage that are super high maintenance and it's all about the finished product. But most clients, it's about the connection with the stylist and not so much the hair and they're happy to accept mediocre hair. But COVID has made them really have time to look at themselves and look at the quality of their color and take a pause and start to shop for other people. Members in my Hair Color Secrets Insider membership are saying they're getting more new clients than they ever have now, which is weird. You would think, you know, they're trying to get in with a regular person, but it's time for them to, people are reflecting on their lives in general you know, how am I doing what I'm doing and what can I do differently? And they're actually looking for better, someone who's going to take them, you know, respect their time and take their time with them and give them more of an individual bespoke look and not be that cookie cutter, get them in, get them out. And, and COVID has caused the salon industry to slow down with not allowing squeezing in between clients. I think that's the best gift that COVID has given everyone is to, to slow down and do better quality work at a higher price point so that your body can last. I'm someone who's been standing with my arms over my head for 34 years. Now I need shoulder surgery. Your, your body starts to tell you you've beat it up enough and it's time to take care of yourself. You used uh, a word that was interesting. You don't hear it often, which is bespoke. And it's very interesting that you mentioned that because one of the offerings that I have is bespoke education. So for those of you who are listening, 
Uh, not to insult you, it's just really not a common term. So I first heard of it when I was in retailing, there was bespoke clothing for men, which we offered custom tailored. And so when you say bestoke, you're talking about this custom tailored experience. And it's interesting because about a month ago, the, the way uh, I evolved into this bespoke education offering, which is creating education that's based on your need, what's important to you, was I was watching a commercial and there's one called M. Taylor. And you can take your phone and set it on the floor and have it take a picture of you as a man or a woman. In 15 seconds, it'll give you your size, your top size, your bottom size, your coat size, your shirt. Yes. Oh my gosh. And they're customizing this for you. There's an insurance commercial and uh, it just, I, I'm, I'm embarrassed. It just went out of my head. But they say, we tailor our insurance for you. And then there was a commercial where you could take a picture, you pulled up the app, you picked the mat, you picked the frame and they sent it to you. And I think what you said is that there's an evolution now of the client experience because of their um, inability to engage with people. And through human beings, it, it does build our significance, self-worth and our sense of belonging. And because we're having less human interaction, this is from 10 years ago. I can't find a recent study. 10 years ago, there was 120th the human interaction there was 20 years prior. What do you think it is now? And that's wow. before you shopped at Amazon and Zappos and HubGrab, all those. So to your point, I think people want to feel special that this is for me. And so when you go to your colors and your stylist, the haircut's not enough. It's about how I feel. And I'm not minimizing, please, if you're listening, because I think people, there's an expectation that if I go to you and I pay your prices, I'm going to look good. I don't think anyone is like, eh, it's a coin toss today. What I'm saying is, is that if people have the same education that you have, they have the same experience and they have the same tools, there's a good chance they could have the same look. The point of difference will be how they feel. And that's why it feels so the consultation, you know, if you, I ask anyone, when you think of the consultation, what do you think the purpose of it is? Most people have a clinical answer. Well, it's to understand their needs. And I go, well, what's your second answer without a hesitation to sell retail, right? It's, it's some combination of those. And what, when we talk about the consultation, that's really about a chance to display uh, your, your emotional intelligence. And so as an example, emotional intelligence would be, have you ever had a client say, I know you have, because I know who you are. I wish I could take you home with me. They don't, take, say, they don't want to take. They don't want to take me home. You would be the they, exception. They have enough of me when when they're in there. But okay. I definitely I do agree a hundred percent that I can see as as a leader of a salon and someone who's trained many many stylists. You know, they would get annoyed with me because I spend so much time on the consultation, the body language, where you are, how you do it. You know, face to face, not looking through the mirror, all those things, and I can predict. When a, when a stylist is meeting with a client and I overhear their consultation, I can predict within seconds how it's going to go and whether that client's coming back. I don't even have to look at how the hair turned out. I know immediately if there is awkwardness and hesitation with the describing of the service, if 
it's not a comfortable, you can just tell they're just not connecting. It doesn't matter if that hair is absolutely on point, looks exactly like the photo the client brought. There's still going to be a, a level of disappointment because they didn't feel that confidence coming out of that stylist. And I, I just can never stress it enough. I know, like you said, some people you, you keep around because you're like, they're not quite bad enough to get rid of and they're not good enough to really spend a lot of time on. I can know within two days of employing someone who's going to hit six figures and be super booked and who's going to stay in that zone of, do I really want to do this the rest of my life? Is there another career I'd be better at? They're always like floating around in this world of indifference of, I'm not really sure. You know, it shows the clients feel that. It's, I think it's not the new focus. I think there's a spotlight on it now. So if you're listening and you're looking to build your retention, your referral, your rebooking, your review, your relationships, even your recommendations, I think this is the conversation. And you said something interesting that I've hired people, I've seen people. Now there's a big booth or a rental movement. And so I'm located outside Philly. On both coasts, this has been pretty popular is you have to ask, would I hire myself? That's the first question. Because I know, because you guys have been transparent with me, they go, nah, honestly, I wouldn't. <laughs> so if you can't lead yourself, and that's what your people are looking at, is how you lead yourself. So realize there could be a disconnect for them when they say you should do this, yet they're looking at you and they go, are you kidding? So I, I want to talk about this emotional intelligence and in the consultation a little bit, because I think this is our opportunity today. And it cost us no money to do this, is that I'd asked you before, and you are the exception by the rule, how many of your clients have said, I wish I could take you home with me? So I know you're kidding, because I know you, it's happened a lot. And people who are listening, everybody has said that. Some with the high emotional intelligence and listens and goes, okay, what do they want me to do with their home? Do they want me to have a drink with them? Do they want me to babysit their kids? Do they want me to clean the house? Or do they want me to do their hair? They want you to do their hair. Someone with the high emotional intelligence is going, wait, if somebody says that, wait a second. So high emotional intelligence would say, you know what, Elaine, where's your comfort level of replicating this look the 28 to 30 days before I see you again? And give me on a scale of one. And you go, well, you know, it's not so good. I go, well, on a scale of one to 10. You go, probably about a six. You go, okay, well, let's talk about this. Tell us, and I understand. Where's your comfort level in having the right products at home? You know, they share with you. And you go, well, what's missing? You go, well, I have a lot of products. I don't know how to use them. Tell them, well, that's my next question. Where would you say your comfort level is in using those products? Well, you know, I have really fine hair, and I'm always looking for some volume or some fullness in my hair, and I can't do it like you do it. So is it, not knowing how to use the products or not knowing how to use the tools. Well, I do know how to use the products. It's really the tools. So I can stop right there. That's the consultation. So I've, I've seen scripting out there. And I don't want to pass judgment or diminish anyone's approach. So please understand this. I'm just saying is that scripting is not the same as emotional intelligence. One, you're shifting a behavior with the scripting. The other, you're shifting your thinking. My thinking has now become, what are they doing the 28 to 30 days? They didn't go to school like me. They don't have 10 years of experience. They don't have a shampoo, conditioner, styling product. 
or tools. And so some of the high emotional intelligence, they operate at a different level. They actually operate from the other person's perspective. That is when people are truly effective. The only way you're going to get someone else's perspective is to ask it. And I tell you, it's a human issue. We don't seek to understand. We don't ask questions. We do most of the talking, and I see it yes. in salons. Yes. So, right, someone says, oh, what'd you do on vacation? So they ask a question, but you're like, okay, check that off. They go, I went to Disney. They go, oh, my God, I went to Disney. And then mm-hmm. when we got to the hotel, our room wasn't ready. And so um, they felt so bad, and then they comped us drinks, and then they gave us a suite, and we had these, does this sound familiar to you? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the opportunity with the consultation is to incorporate this emotional intelligence and to learn how, and I write in the book, um, courtesy versus curiosity. And I'm talking about questions because there are people who ask questions out of courtesy. Hey, how are you doing today? Right? right. And people ask out curiosity. They go, listen, last time we talked, you said you're going to have surgery on the um, 15th. So tell me like who's coming in town after who's going to be taking care of you. Do you see the difference? Absolutely. And you know, it's funny too, with this COVID, you know, everything virtual, I witness it all the time in Facebook feeds. You know, someone shares something to your point, you know, it's a picture of a vacation and somebody immediately goes, we go there every year. We love it. I'm like, do you even realize how you sound? Like, I don't think people even understand what they're doing, but I'm thinking that post was about them and their vacation. It's not about whether you were there or not, or your opinion on it. They're just sharing a moment. And it happens all the time in the salon. Exactly what you said. The client wants to share something and then the stylist turns it and makes it about them and their kids and their experience. And the client just feels small and unheard and misunderstood. And then they leave feeling a little bit of ick. It's not a good feeling where if you turned it around and said, tell me more about your trip to Disney. How was the weather? You know, what was your favorite ride? You know, just keep letting them have the spotlight because most of them, this is the only time that they get any attention from anyone. You know, they're, they're busy taking care of everybody else. You just said something that I think we know, but it gets lost on us. So if I, can I make a generalization? Please don't, it's not a sexist remark. The intent is a compliment, is that women tend to be the caregivers in their environments and the nurturers. And so they're listening to stories, they're solving problems, they're doing things for other people. The reason they come to the salon and love it is it's about me, it's this me time. And to your point, that could be your greatest gift is just to listen. One of the dynamics that's imperative right now from a psychological perspective, it's a little nuanced thing, is that when people are coming in now, two things, and I'll get to this point in a second, but they're asking about how COVID is treating them. And then someone said, you know, it's horrible, you know, God forbid someone passed away or my husband and I are getting along. And what we go, oh, I know how you feel. That same thing's going on for me. More than ever, it's imperative to have the focus be on that person. This is not about you. This is really to acknowledge what is going on for them. And so if you're listening now, and this is something, and listen, it doesn't make you a bad person. It's human nature. It triggers my experience. I want to engage. We've connected. 
It's not. People with a high emotional intelligence can identify, hey, I'm looking to connect. Mm, that may not be the best way to share one of my stories. The best way may be to ask them more questions. And so I think it's imperative what you said is that you hold back as a stylist and realize that this is wholly protected time for them. One of the things I want to say, because I'd imagine if people are listening, it's a common question I get is, well, what do I ask them about if I can't ask about COVID or I can't ask about their family and my clients go dark on me? You ever had the person that walks in, they hate their job, they hate their life, they hate country music, right? It's that. And then you ask them how it's going. Here's what I would share with you. You can heavily weight the outcome in your favor on how this goes and how they respond by asking a question that gets you the answer you want. So when someone comes in, you say, listen, I haven't seen you in four weeks. What's the best thing that's happened since I've seen seen you last? And what it does to the brain is the brain can't help but answer questions. Unless it's uniquely trained like a, a FBI, a CIA, someone like that. Human beings, if I asked you your age, if I asked you how long you're married, if I asked you what you do for a living, your brain answers those questions instantly. And so some of the high emotional intelligence realizes that. There's people I work with, and I work a lot in this industry, and I'm not making light of it. People are going through a lot. They go negative very quickly, but I'm quickly aware that with the questions that I ask to take them where I want to go. So I'll ask them, what's the best thing that's happened? Tell them, I remember what put you a smile on your face last time. Tell me about that. Or they'll, 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 they'll share with you. They'll, they'll actually dump. I mean, they literally back up like a dump truck and put it on you. I'll ask them, what's the one thing that gets you through? So I'm going to go, oh, my God, my daughter in California, if I didn't have her. Some people go, well, you know, I've been meditating. Some people go, it's a great bottle of wine. It's not for us to judge. What you just said is I'm trying to redirect their thinking to a positive moment. So early on when we talked and you said, I asked them about a positive, that's an example of a high emotional intelligence. And what some of the high emotional intelligence would do, they can identify that, hey, this person can go negative and understand it's not that it's unjustified, that is what they're going through, but how do I adjust my behavior so that our experience doesn't get combined with the rest of their life? That's amazing. And a perfect way to, to end our chat because you and I could talk for another four hours and people's attention spans for podcasts. We're about one treadmill visit <laughs> in right now. Um, but how can people find you and learn more about talk, uh, t- say the name of your book and where they can find okay. you have two books. Um, and if they want to have you at their salon or need some consulting, um, how can they connect with you? Okay, shameless plug. The website is jwilliamsco.com. So J-A-Y-W-I-L-L-I-A-M-S-C-O.com. I know it seems narcissistic, but someone says the easiest thing, just get your name, company, website Smart. to do the same. Yeah. If you go on the website there, there's contacts, so you can reach out that way. And I do encourage people to do that. Don't hesitate for any reason. If you want to look at the books, there's two books. One was written uh, just about four years ago. It's called Leave Your Mark. And it's really for anyone who's in your culture, really anyone who's in your life. There's universal applicability. The stories are tailored to our industry. The second book is called This Versus That. And this is better thinking, better choices, better leader. So we talked about... um, asking versus telling, what versus why questions, 
um, hubris versus humility. The whole book is written this versus that. But to your point about attention spans, each chapter was written to be read within about three minutes. So they're quick and to the point. So you guys can go there. And again, it's jwilliamsco.com. The books are there. You can reach out to me. I am doing workshops for teams now via Zoom. We do them 30 to, 35, uh, 30 to 45 minutes. Again, tension spans are shrinking. And we can do something. You mentioned bespoke. We have set workshops, but we can have a call. You tell me what's most important to you. And we'll create a conversation for your team. Not a presentation, but a conversation for them. That's awesome. And thank you for sharing all of that and the importance of emotional intelligence we all need to you know be on top of our game heading into next year to make it a much better year for everyone so thank you so much for your time this has been a pleasure i always learn something um in in every interview so this was amazing and uh thank you uh thank you and for everybody who doesn't know you've been a tremendous help to me as well so thank you I want to thank you guys for listening to the podcast. And if I said something that's of interest to you, and even if I didn't, I want to invite you to the book club. And that's January 24th. It's a Sunday. And it's at 7 p.m. And for an hour, you will get a chance to share your thinking and to also solicit my thinking, my feedback, and my thoughts on the book and the concepts that are in it. So again, I'm looking forward to spending the time with you guys on January 24th at 7 p.m. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you on the next one. Thank you for listening to the Ask the Color Expert podcast. Please subscribe and be sure to leave a review. For more information on hair color education, please visit my website, www.expert.com.